Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamps, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 347 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing really good, man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good. Going to dive straight into the review part of the show here. This one took place at the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff, Wales, United Kingdom. It was live on the zone. Going to start with the undercard. Gamal Yafai now 19-2. and A TKO in round four against Sean Kearns, who's now 8-4. and four. Kearns down in the in the third round and again in the fourth. Um, Sky Nicholson with a good win as well. She's now 4-0. and oh. um, She won every round. Eight rounder, eight two-minute rounds against Gabriella Bouvier, who's a former world champion, now 15 and 11 with a draw. Sky Nicholson um, still yet to get a knockout. 4 and 0, all four wins on points. But I tell you what, she's looking really good, really skillful, and I cannot wait to see her future unfold. I think she may have um, some, something special in the locker, maybe potentially a, a future world champion. I think. I think I wouldn't bet against it, that's for sure. Um, Dalton Smith with a win as well. He's now 11-0. His opponent retired on his store after six rounds. Mauro Perueni. Um Yeah, Dalton Smith, a good win for him once again. Another knockout win. I believe he's now 11-0 with nine KOs, I think. That one was for the WBC International Silver Super Lightweight title. Perouan down once in round six. Um, Farouk Kurbanov as well. He's now 19-4. Really strange, he boxed um, Joe Cordina, I think it was last time out, and he, he lost by majority decision. He got absolutely uh, played with, really, by Zelfa Barrett here, who's now 28-1. and one. It was for the EBU European Super Featherweight title. I think Korbanov, I'm pretty sure Korbanov was the champion, so now Zelfa Barrett has the title. Really pleased for him, like I say. Massive fan of what they've been doing with him lately. They finally let him off the leash, and he is... A lot better than people first thought he was. Um, Yeah, so I think he's starting to kind of, um, you know, uh, show his worth, let's say. And he's a European champion. It's brilliant for him. There's only one way, and that is up. And the main event, Kenichi Ogawa, now 26-2 and two with a draw. He was knocked out in two rounds by Joe Cordina, who's now 15-0. and 0. He's now the IBF World Super Featherweight Champion. Ogawa knocked out with that right hand. Um, I tell you what, it was shocking. It really was, because no one expected this. A lot of people were picking Ogawa, despite the champion being the underdog. People were still picking him. So a lot of people felt that, you know, Cordina perhaps was biting off more than he could chew, and he had a lot of pressure on his shoulders, the fight being in Wales, he's going to become, I think, the 13th uh, Welsh world champion, and all the rest of it, you know, a lot of people were in attendance, wanted him to win, Joe Calzaghe and many more uh, Welsh boxing champions, so um, a lot of pressure was definitely on his shoulders, and Agawa didn't really have the pressure, and like I say, um, 
you know, I was very, 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 very shocked by the 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 outcome, the finish. I think the first round was quite a good round, to be honest. And um, Ogawa, I felt, was putting the left hook out there and kind of, I felt, proving that Joe Cordina was open for a nice big left hook. And I thought that maybe that was going to be the money punch for Ogawa. And it ended up um, not going much longer than that, to be honest, because... Joe Cordina in that early on in that in that second round fainted with the jab and come straight over the top with a right hand right on the button and out went Agawa. He was down. He tried to get back up. He fell down again. And Cordina now undefeated world champion. And Shakur Stevenson was watching the fight, I believe, and he's already started calling him out. So perhaps that's one for the future there. Uh, moving out now to the Armory in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. It was on. Showtime. We're going to start with the undercard. A couple fights to mention. Friend of the show, Malik Warren, with a win. He's now 7 0, a KO in the first round against Pedro Hernandez, who's now 7 12 with a draw. Um, we had Carl Dargan. He's now 20 2. He was knocked out in the first round against Alfredo Santiago, who's now 14 2. David Morell, I mean, he just really. Walk through his opponent. He's now 7-0. Really excited to see him in big fights down the line. Um, a TKO in round four there against Calvin Henderson, who's now 15-2 with a draw. That one was for the WBA World Super Middleweight title. And the main event, Stephen Fulton now 21-0. Successfully defended his WBC and WBO World Super Bantamweight titles against Danny Roman, who's now 29-4 with a draw. Um, for Danny Roman, if he were to have won that fight, he had previously been the unified um, IBF and WBA world champion. So if he were to beat Stephen Fulton for the WBC and WBO super bantamweight titles, he would have had the full set, even though he was unified champion at two different times. So that would have been excellent. And half of me wanted that for him. But, I mean, the fight itself, it was incredible. I was really impressed with Stephen Fulton. I say it was incredible. To be honest, it was incredible for Stephen Fulton. I think, you know, I didn't go too heavy on my analysis of the fight, but I think maybe you could give Roman maybe round three and maybe round seven. Like I said, didn't strictly score it. Uh, I was watching it on on an iPad, and it kind of clashed a few of the rounds with the Haney fight, which we'll get to. Um, but yeah, Fulton for me, man, so so impressive. You know, I've 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 been a believer of his for quite a while now. I think he has it all. He's got ridiculous athleticism. He's huge for the weight, one twenty two. He's a sharp puncher. He's got a good jab. He's got great feet. He can box. He can fight. He can adapt during a fight. He's got good speed. He's strong. He's got good lateral movement and reflexes. He's a good. He's got a good judge of distance. He switches stances here and there. He's got a great engine. He's super fit. He's got a seemingly good chin, and he wants all the smoke. He won the title when when he um, when he beat um, Angelo Leo. Then he unified straight away against Brandon Figueroa. Then in his next defense, he he takes on a former unified champion here against Danny Roman, a man that no one really needed to fight or wanted to fight who would want to give him a chance he's usually a really um formidable formidable opponent and Stephen Fulton didn't make it look like that he pretty much dominated 10 of the 12 rounds and he beat him easier than anyone else has and he does want that undisputed fight next and like I've said before, no one can complain about anything to do with Stephen Fulton. Um, in round 11 as well, I want to touch on on that round there. Fulton really seemed to up the pace and started to beat Roman up. Um, 
I was a little bit wrong. It wasn't as good as the Fulton Figueroa fight because I thought it was gonna potentially be like a, a little bit of a repeat, but it wasn't the same fight at all. It wasn't as competitive. Stylistically, Fulton was a bit of a nightmare for Roman, which I didn't think would be the case, but it unfolded in front of our eyes. And Roman, you know, he was always going to be as as tough as old boots and hang in there and show that Mexican spirit and. Very, very classy guy as well, Danny Roman. He even said after the fight that Fulton is the best in the division and he proved it in this fight and he wished him all the best if he does get the Murajon Akmadaliev fight for all the marbles. Um, very classy guy is Danny Roman. And um, they even said to Roman, like, do you think ring rust played a part? And he chose to say he's not making any excuses. So, yeah, my pick all along was Fulton on points and that's what happened um i just didn't expect it to be that wide and i just think fulton is going to be a problem for anyone in and around that weight because i mentioned he's big at the weight and i i just can't really see a flaw in him and i've got to say i don't know if if, if, if many other people are saying this but he is on i think he's 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 probably dare i say it definitely getting in the top 10 of, of my pound for pound list i think he's he's somewhere near near the top end of course uh, i mean like the bottom end like around you know the the somewhere between sixth and sixth and tenth but he is crashing into the list so i've got to say it and i think you know there's a big fight for him that can perhaps be made down the line with inue which we're going to also get to but very very impressed with stephen fulton and i've outlined so many things he does really well eddie because there's not too many things he doesn't do well i agree 100 percent um you know i just i used to watch him back in the day because we actually come up in the same gym well actually he was a lot younger than me and um he has he, he's always had good quality he's always been really talented but, you know, as a kid, you watch a kid like that coming up and you're playing around. You'll see him right around the gym, and, you know, joking. And you always just wonder, will they be able to take the game serious and really, really do what they need to do? Take this step, the, the next spot, the, the next steps up to be at the next level, to be a championship level fighter, to be even a contender or, or, or a, a, even a contender. So, you know, seeing him now see, seemingly doing all the work he needs to do, which is pretty obvious, his motor is crazy good he's always in shape he's always he's always ready to go to the to, to the next level with it you know what i mean whether it be, be it you know boxing or picking up the punch count you know what i'm saying it, you know he he, he fight he even fought the, um uh, angelo leo at, at his own in his own way coming to him bringing the fight to him throwing more punches you know i mean pressing him at times so it just made it so much more sweet you know so much sweeter once he got once he got the belt there and just in general, just watching him and how he's been since he's won the title, he's just upped it. You know what I mean? It's like every every single time he gets a little bit better. So um, it's it's refreshing for refreshing to see. He's one of the best fighters or the best fighter at that weight, and I think the sky's the limit for him. He just has to continue to to keep his confidence up and also to keep his work ethic really high. And I think I think like I said, the sky will be the limit, and will stay that way. And we're going to move now to the Marvel Stadium in Docklands, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Uh, this one over here, um, a big one for the Aussies. I mean, let's talk about the guys on the undercard. Friend of the show, Andrew Maloney, now 24-2. and two. His opponent, Alexander Espinosa, retired on his store after just two rounds. 
Um, he said, I don't, I don't think he could see out of his right eye or something like that. Something was wrong with his eye. Uh, so good win there for Andrew Maloney and the, and his brother Jason Maloney again with a win. So he's now 24-2. and two. As I said on last week's show, both twins are identical and their records are also identical. They both picked up knockout wins and they're both 24-2. and two. Um, He was able to TKO in three rounds. Aston Palikte, uh, who is now 28-5 and five with a draw. Palikte down twice in that third round. It was for the WBC Silver and WBO International Bantamweight titles. And let's get to another fight on the on the um on the undercard. A huge upset in the heavyweight division. Junior Farr, 19 and 1, coming off that loss to uh Joseph Parker last time out. He got in with Lucas Brown, who I think is 43 years of age, and you know. I've always had a soft spot for Lucas Brown, and I'm hoping that he's going to be the guest on this week's show, and I'm going to probably find out in about 10 minutes' time if he's going to be the guest, so I'm hoping that we do manage to get him on, otherwise we're going to have to get someone else on at late notice. But anyway, Lucas Brown, um, you know, went from being a a bouncer, you know, a doorman, and then goes on to, you know, turn to boxing and ends up winning a heavyweight world title uh, you know, in Russia, which was incredible. And then, of course, when he had the accusations against him and he got stripped by the WBA and you don't know what to believe, he seems like a really genuine guy. And then, obviously, he was up in age and he didn't really have that technical know-how. And it's kind of unraveled very, very quickly because he doesn't have those boxing basics instilled in him. And, he, you know, he didn't do it the traditional way. So... For him to do what these guys have been doing for 20 years when he's 43 or 42 or whatever he is, it's very difficult. So we've seen the fall. The fall has been very drastic from winning a heavyweight world title to being knocked out by the likes of Dave Allen and others. And... Um, yeah, he he looked like he was there for the taking, really, for the last couple of years. And I think he got knocked out by a rugby player or something in like a round maybe a year and a half ago. Then he come back against a guy who he was supposed to lose to and he knocked him out. I think it was late in the fight as well. And this fight here, he was expected to get knocked out early again. And he manages to upset the odds once again. So two really good wins in a row for Lucas Brown. He said he feels better than ever. And he was able to knock out Junior Farr in just the first round. He's now 31-3 and and Junior Farr's 19-2. and It was for the WBA Oceana and vacant IBF Australasian heavyweight titles. Really pleased for Lucas Big Daddy Brown. And getting on to the main event, George Cambosos Jr. now 20-1. and He was dethroned of his titles. And Devin Haney now has all four. He's the undisputed lightweight world champion. WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO. Uh, 28-0, Devin the Dream Haney. Um, little bit of a soft spot for both guys. Um, both guys been on the show before. I think only one time, to be honest with you. But I like both guys. I really like George Cambosos and his insane belief in himself. And Devin Haney, I mean, God, like... I was quite critical of his opponents for quite a while, but recently I think he's really stepped up, beating the likes of Jojo Diaz and Cambosos here in this fashion. Um, I gave Haney maybe about 11 out of the 12 rounds. Um, at times it was like a ball and matador type 
boxing match. But to be honest, calling Cambosos the ball is almost giving him too much credit. Uh, Devin was both the ball and the matador at times, and Cambosos was almost like a spectator. Um, the jab for Devin Haney was was a, a huge weapon, and I was really surprised with the almost lack of um, intelligence in George's boxing because we saw him box Tiafimo Lopez and he almost looked like the most intelligent fighter in the whole world. He fought to a perfect game plan and he executed it perfectly and everything he did was great. The judge of distance, when to throw, when not to throw, something Eddie likes to go on about, leaving your head on the line and taking it off. And for this fight here, I didn't see much head movement. Um, when he got into position, he didn't let his hands go in combinations, and he just decided that he's going to throw singular shots, and I don't know why, but he was boxing like as if he thought he had Deontay Wilder's power in his right hand or something, and straight after the fight, of course, there's a rematch clause, and there should be, he had a lot on the line, but it's a rematch that no one wants to see at all, Um, but I'm guessing it probably will happen, Um, so yeah, I really like Camboso, so I don't want that to come across as hate, but I've really struggled to give him two rounds, and I I can't see anything more than that. I'm not sure if you saw anything of it, Eddie, but Devin Haney put on a boxing clinic. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. seen it from round one to 12, and (laughs) they were carbon copies almost of each one of them, the one before it. So, And some rounds looked, looked worse than others, and I think, you know, sometimes when you watch a fight like that where a guy's just dominating... When the other fighter does a little bit and does a little bit better than what you're used to seeing in that fight, sometimes you're tempted to give him the round thinking that he's done enough. And to be honest, I don't know if there was any round that he did. Maybe the maybe the second, I think, round. I think it was the second round, possibly. But um, Devin Haney, man, once he got behind that jab and really, really educated it and kept it moving and, 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 and was changing levels with it, he was he was he was creating space, closing the distance when he when he didn't. And the one thing I really like about what he did, and you know, which allowed him to not to take Nazim's word but words or his phrases, but uh, swim without getting wet because there was a lot of times he was getting punches thrown at him and he was just he was just grabbing air, he was just hitting air. And I think it was uh he he wasn't giving him a turn. Like you know, a lot of times you'll see fights where. You know, it's an exciting fight. One guy goes, and then the other guy goes, and then one guy goes back, and the other. Well, he wasn't really giving him the opportunity to do that. He was using distance, and then when he decided he didn't want to be at distance and he wanted to get close, and he didn't want Combosis to be offensive, he would just clinch or get too close or get into a position where he, he, you know, he had Combosis didn't really have a shot to throw. You know what I'm saying? And that is excellent running IQ. That is what boxing is all about. You know, doing things like that, keeping a guy in a position that he just doesn't have a chance. And, you know, even though Kambos is a pretty good puncher, you know, he's a tough guy. He's, you know, he, he seemed to be a, a pretty decent boxer with a great IQ, like you mentioned, against against Tiafimo Lopez. But uh, Devin Haney showed that there's definitely levels to it. And as far as the rematch clause, I mean, you have to do it if you're if 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 you're Kambosis. You have to. And you just have to go back to the drawing board and, and, and work, to, you know, I don't want to say twice as hard, but work twice as smart and try to figure out something that you could possibly do to maybe nullify, I didn't say nullify, but to at least combat his jab a little bit, you know what I mean, to contain his offense in some way, you know what I mean? You might have to get up, make it a little ugly. You might have to get a little overly aggressive to give yourself a chance. But 
to be honest, and I kind of agree, I, you know, I agree with you and I agree with most guys who were saying it's just like a fight. Uh, it's a rematch that you just really don't want to see. You know, you love Cambosis, you love his attitude, and like you said, his belief in himself, but, you know, it's sometimes it's hard. It's like, it's like, almost, it's, it's almost as bad as uh, looking at uh, uh, Shakur Stevenson and the guy he just previously fought. You know, what, even though the guy was... Oscar you know, Valdez. Oscar Valdez, yeah. It's like, why would he want that rematch? Oscar Valdez took a pretty good beating. You know what I'm saying? Why would he want that rematch? But if if there was a rematch, I think a better situation. example, Eddie. And sorry to butt in, but I think a better example is Roley and Javante. Why would Roley want that rematch a bit? That's probably mm, a better example. No, 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 no. No, what I was saying with I, I, I wouldn't think Oscar Valdez would want a rematch either. I thought he got dominated badly in that fight. Yeah, I don't. Think, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. I'm looking at both of those fights. Even, but even but with Roley, Roley actually has. I was winning the fight and I got caught with a shot. And you're in your crazy mind, you could think that that wasn't really that was just a lucky shot, or 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 it was just a situation where if I was just a little more careful, I would have won the fight. With these other two guys, with Valdez and and and, and with Cambosis, man, it just I think it was they were both soundly beaten, and that's why I'm saying it would be almost as if. Valdez wanted a rematch. Like, I want a rematch. I want to run it back. I want to give myself another chance in there. It's like you, you don't really have much of a chance. I didn't see anything that would kind of give me an inkling of why do you deserve another one or why would you want one? But okay, Bosa, he has to do it. And he has to find some way to make this fight more interesting. Because as it as it looks, it, it's it's gonna it's probably not gonna be as, you know, not gonna be as many people there nor watching because, you know, pretty pretty much people know what to expect with this fight and I think that's the only the only difficult thing about it but he has to go back and do it again well on the plus side I don't think he can lose it any worse than he did um, anyway we don't want to see it again hopefully it doesn't happen but we shall see and the final card to mention in the review part of the show it took place this Tuesday just gone Tuesday the 7th of June at the Super Arena in Saitama Japan this one over here only really going to go to the main event it was for the WBC WBA and IBF World Bantamweight titles the rematch between Naoya Inoue 23 and oh now um and he, he was able to TKO in just two rounds, Nonito Donaire, who's now 42-7. and seven. Um, As I say, the first fight between these, these two guys, these two absolute warriors, uh, was a great fight. One of the best fights I've seen for several, several years. It was a fantastic fight. This fight here wasn't the carbon copy, even though Nonito was able to go away and win a world title in that in that period after losing when he was able to beat Nordinu Bali and stop him and look really good. And people were thinking, hey, Donaire seems like he's got the uh, the hunger back or whatever it was. Or he just seems like he's not on the slide like we thought he was because he was a big underdog against Ubali. And the way he destroyed him was, was just, wow. And uh, yeah, so it just goes to show, go, you know, it proved in the end, I guess, that Nonito is towards the end of his career, even though he's been able to roll back the clock and beat Father Time uh, seemingly uh, early on in the battle. But um, maybe that's a bit harsh. I mean, he's still able to beat a lot of the top guys. I just think, why on earth would you want to fight Inoue again? But he is such a crazy 
crazy competitor. And the first round, I felt, was a really good round. It was interesting. Nanito was having little moments here and there, but Inoue was... I felt on his way to winning the round, and with the last punch of the round, Inoue landed that short, chopping right hand that Nonito seemed to walk into, and Nonito went down, he didn't look badly hurt, he got back up, and it was a bit of a shame to give it away 10-8, to be honest, and then round two, I mean, straight away, pretty much, Inoue catches Donaire again, and he had him staggering all, all around the ring on wobbly legs, and it was sad to see Donaire that vulnerable, but it's credit to how good Inoue is, and he totally wiped Donaire out and I've always had a massive uh, soft spot for Donaire I've said it many times but I give him credit for chasing that rematch like I said he didn't need to but he is a crazy competitor with huge huge balls and you know that could be the end for him and if it is boxing will miss him greatly I haven't seen him release anything officially Um, but yeah Inoue you know too strong too good too youthful too powerful Um, he is rightly, you know, in the top five in everyone's pound-for-pound list. Some people have even got him at number one. Not sure if he's my number one at the minute, but he's right up there for good reason. And he has improved. If we thought Nanito had gone away and maybe improved a tiny bit by picking up a title, this man has improved again and again and again in that time as well. And he has some big fights to look forward to down the line. He wants to be undisputed at the weight. The only other belt he doesn't have is the one that belongs to Paul Butler of the UK. So if he can get the Paul Butler fight, I think no one would favour Paul Butler, unfortunately, even though he's a friend of the show, I'd love to see him pull off the unthinkable, but he would take Butler out quite early, I think within about three rounds, most people would feel. But Butler is, I don't know, yeah, he's not going to win that fight. And then he could move up in weight and box Stephen Fulton, that's one that a lot of people are talking about already, I think we should just... Let both fighters just have a little break. Fulton box on the weekend. I don't think he, you know, he needs that fight at the minute. And Naoya Inoue still firmly has his sights set on all the belts at his weight. So I don't see him moving up just yet. But anyway, that is it for the review part of the show. The final thing I have to do before we wrap this part up is to welcome our special guest on this week's show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBA heavyweight world champion. It is, of course, Mr. Lucas Brown. Lucas, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Always is a pleasure, that's for sure. So, Lucas, we last spoke, uh, it's been a couple of years, actually, back in February 2020. At that time, we were discussing a fight you had penciled in with Otto Wallin, which, of course, got cancelled due to the coronavirus pandemic. Since then, you've had those three fights. Uh, The first one, I'm going to touch on briefly, the Paul Gallum fight. I hadn't seen Gallum fight before the fact... Uh, before the fight, I mean to say, with you. Um, The fact, though, that, of course, it was all over very quickly, I think had a lot of people thinking that Lucas must be done. Perhaps retirement is just around the corner. Can you understand why people would think that based on that uh, bad performance that night? Yeah, 100%. I I can understand why they thought that, but at the same time, where his uh, glove was and the wrappings around, like the tape around... He targeted the back of my head five times and in the process popped my eardrum. So it wasn't as if I basically, um, I, I don't have a bad chin. I just, I was basically fighting cross-eyed and just didn't know what, what I was doing. So I was even trying to throw punches and stuff and I was just going everywhere. So yeah, unfortunately the balance went and me losing to a footballer is always going to be on my record. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I understand that. But since then, you have been defying father time. Obviously, the come, uh, the come from behind knockout win against Opelu, and then this win on the weekend against Junior Far. Um, the odds on you knocking out Junior Far in one round were a hundred to one. If only I could go back in time and put my house on that. Um, talk me through the fight, Lucas. The minute or two it lasted. Um. Basically, my, my thought process was to go in pressure straight off the bat. Um, I have also found that one of the things I do is take my time and relax too much in the first round. So I wanted to come straight out, put the pressure on, and make him feel me. Um, in saying that, uh, I'd, I've been practicing over and over and over again on the box master that I have at home, that like overhand right, because he's a taller fellow, he's 6'6". I thought I'd slip the jab and come straight through the overhand right, and it landed perfectly on his ear. And yeah, he, he, he shouldn't have been allowed to get up after that first one. He was um, well and truly gone and rocked, and uh, even when he stood up, he was all over the place. And, and I knew basically I just had to throw one more punch. So I was assuming it was going to go a lot longer, maybe six, seven rounds. Um, but I'm extremely happy it ended the way it did. No, absolutely. It was unbelievable. And Lucas, you mentioned there about, uh, you know, training at home. Am I right in saying that this time you trained quite a lot at home um, in comparison with previous fights? Yeah, I I haven't had a trainer for a couple of years now. Like, I I just haven't bothered. So I've been training myself, obviously going around to different gyms and and, um, sparring and all that sort of stuff. But in terms of training and pad work and stuff i haven't done that in about two years okay i didn't know that so are you hard enough on yourself because sometimes people do this and there's no one to push them that extra mile how does that work with you well i i I judge it by sparring so i judge it by how i perform or how i don't perform in sparring and stuff so that is always the key indicator to me as to where i am and and what I need to work on, maybe fitness or obviously too heavy, uh, speed, etc. And I am also testing myself constantly with different people. So tall ones, short ones, uh, faster, lighter weights, like all sorts of stuff. So I, I, I'm very hard on myself in that regard, but I do understand what you're saying, yeah. And where does this junior far win rank amongst the best wins of your career? It's got to be right up there, Lucas. It is, it is right up there. Um, it's basically exactly what was needed. So for me, it's, it's awesome. Like the win is, is just as big as like, not, maybe not a world title, but like a big title fight because it shows people that I'm not done. Um, it shows people that I can do it. And it shows me what I need to do from now on rather than sort of just try and box. I'm just going to go in and bash people. And that's, that's yeah, worked for me for so many years. Why go away from that? So that's all I'm going to do. I'm sure the fans are going to love hearing that. And of course, we've got to yeah. mention that you've managed to get far out of there in just a round. Joseph Parker went the distance with him. How big of a statement do you think that makes in the division? Um, you pretty much said there it's exactly what you needed, but it just proves once again that your right hand is still a lethal weapon. Yeah, unfortunately, what um, basically what's happened over... I don't know, say the last five, six years, I haven't been throwing my right hand in any sparring because I don't want to knock people out. I don't want to hurt people, etc. So I've gotten a little too, little too comfortable with uh, not throwing my right hand. So my entire purpose for that fight was just to throw the right hand and, and land. 
So, yeah, from, from this point on, I think everyone's going to be very excited because I'm just coming to throw the bombs and that's it. <laughs> and you said to the cameras just seconds after you won the fight, you said, I'm 43, I feel better than ever, stronger than ever. I don't think you said it quite as clean as I just have, but is that all true? <laughs> do, you, do you really feel better than ever? And if so, how and why? It's basically, I, I think my mind was in the perfect place. I realised that I probably looked like a little little fat white boy, but um, it wasn't about that for me. It wasn't about, oh, let's come out with the tan and be ripped and all this sort of stuff. It was, it was all about me being in the right mental place, and it was absolutely perfect. So the the, the reaction from me was also because I was proud. I haven't felt like that in so many years. So to come out and actually do that in front of such, obviously, such a, what a crowd, what an event to do it at. So for me, it was just perfect. It was exactly what I needed. And it, and it showed me personally that uh, I can do it and can still be done. No, I was really happy for you, man. It was it was brilliant. Um, I know that since the fight, you've boarded a plane to Queensland and began sparring again already. Um, were you yeah, always yeah. that dedicated, Lucas? Because that's a very quick turnaround, especially for a heavyweight. It was... Um, I, I don't, don't Trust me, I well and truly wanted to have a week off. Uh, but I, I got a call on Tuesday uh, from the guys that uh, organise everything with, with Justice Rooney. And they said, listen... His sparring partners have fallen through. Can we get you up here for six rounds and we'll do media, like ride the media train and stuff? I said, well, honestly, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I might as well. So I've jumped up here. I've, I've sparred six rounds with Justin Shuni today. Great, hard, competitive rounds, which is what I need. And, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll, tomorrow's the open workout. I'll, I'll go there and um, do, a, do a, a media coverage thing and then I'll head home Friday night. Excellent, man. And what is next for you, Lucas? What do you want to do next? In all honesty, it, 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 at this point in time in my life, it comes down to money. So uh, I want nice, big, competitive fights, but I want the dollars to go with it. Uh, I want I want three, four more fights and then retire happy. Um, yeah, 95% of my career earnings has been under 10 grand, all the purses. You know, it's just not... It's not right for what I've done, what I've accomplished, what yeah will go down in the Australian Hall of Fame for boxing and stuff. I, I don't have any money to back that up, and that's the problem. So I want good competitive fights. I think this will be perfect for that. And um, I'm just ready to sort of go out with a bang. And you say there that obviously at this point in your career, and I make you right, it, it has to be about money. You're you're saying you've you've only got a few fights left in you. Um, is there any names on your radar at all, or have you not really thought about the names? Uh, one thing I do want to do is is definitely fight in uh, UK again. I want to have one more before I retire. I think that'll be a great thing. Just just for the experience, the way that the uh, UK fans have always accepted me, and they love boxing, so. For me, that is extremely important that I do something like that. Um, if I do get to America, that'll be an awesome thing as well. I haven't fought there yet. But um, there is uh, some speculation at the moment that Eddie Hearn is going to have a, a show with um, Matchroom in September in Australia. Yeah. So again, that's sort of a half-half for me. So I still get to stay in Australia, but um, it's on a big UK show, etc. So yeah, good, good exposure as well. 
yeah, it'd be great to have you back over here. Obviously, as you know, you're very welcome. Not so sure you, you'd be welcome in America after beating James Tony, Lucas, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and just lastly, I want to just come to you uh, for, for two fights that's happening in the heavyweight division. I'd like to just get your opinion on both of them just before we wrap it up. Um, yep. So Joshua Usyk, that rematch, which looks like it will be in August, and then a bit of a wild card one, Michael Hunter, Huey Fury, July 2nd. If you can give me your opinion on both of those, how do you see him playing that, Lucas? Uh, with the Hunter Fury one, unfortunately, from a fan's point of view, Huey is just boring. Um, he He's a good boxer and everything else, but... He runs away from everything. He, he never engages in a fight. And every fight that I've seen of his is just boring. So hopefully for Hunter, it'll be a bit more exciting. But um, for a fan's point of view, unfortunately, I'm, I'm just not interested in it because of Fury Fury. Um, with the, the Joshua Usyk one, that'll be sensational to watch again. Um, let's see if Joshua can make some adjustments like he did with Ruiz. He came back much stronger and, and smarter and did things right with uh, the Ruiz number two. But in saying that, I don't think that uh, Usyk's going to come back fatter either. So, that, 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 uh, yeah, I think Usyk is also an extremely smart and um, incredible, incredible boxer, being a lefty and being a cruiserweight coming up. So, it's just great for... That sort of fight is great for heavyweight boxing all round. Yeah, we're certainly looking forward to it. And just finally, Lucas, if you've got any closing words just before we wrap it up, uh, to any to anyone in particular, but especially the UK fans that support you over the years. Yeah, um, yeah. Basically, I'm 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 just coming to bang. There's no bullshit. There's no dramas. There's no roundabout way to say it. I'm gonna go in and just bang. So watch the fireworks because they're coming. I've said that to a few women in the past. It hasn't gone down well, but I like, what you're saying. <laughs> I like what you're saying, Lucas. Listen, it's always great speaking with you, my man. Congrats again on the win. Enjoy the time off if you're having any, and we'll speak again soon. Much appreciated, my friend. Thank you very much. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Jamal Charlo against Maciel Selecki. He was supposed to be taking place June 18th in Houston. It's been postponed, a new date to be set. Charlo has suffered a back injury in training. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, that one has been pushed back. No, no date yet. I don't even think there's a rumored date yet for that one. And it wasn't a fight that many people were looking forward to, to be completely honest. So... Hopefully it falls through. <laughs> that's, just, that's just me being selfish. But anyways, um, in other news, Derek Chisora will be rematching Kubrat Pulev. Um, it's a rematch that not many people were interested in. I don't think uh, it's, it's on the same level, really, as Cambosos and Haney from the weekend, I think. But anyway, they're going to be getting it on. Um, Derek Chisora coming off that loss, I think it was last time out, to Joseph Parker, where all of a sudden his punch resistance looked like it had left him as well. And Kubrat Pulev uh, coming off a good win over Jerry Forrest, the guy that drew with Michael Hunter in the fight prior to that one. So um, Kubrat Pulev, even though I think he's probably a bit older. Yeah, I'm sure he's definitely older than Chisora, but he seems to be in better form, and Chisora has been in so many wars. But anyway, it's going down July the 9th, live on the zone at the O2 Arena in London. Um, there's been some fights added to the 
uh, the Fury Hunter undercard on July 2nd in Manchester. We're going to see Adam Azim on the card. We're going to see the pro debut for Ben Whitaker, which I think we mentioned last week. Uh, we're also going to see Brad Ray, friend of the show, um, on the undercard, and Caroline Dubois as well. So that's going to be good for those guys there. Um, and the final piece of news to mention is that Danny Garcia will be... Um, will be having his first fight at 154, which I still cannot believe he's up at 154. I don't think uh, that's a good weight class for him. I think there was fights that I felt he lost at 140, moved up to 147. He was he was quite all right at 147, but 154 doesn't sit right with me. But anyway, he gets in with Jose Benavidez Jr., that one to take place July 30th at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Uh, so, yeah, that... That'll be quite interesting. I think uh, uh, Benavidez, pretty sure he was the guy that was going to be the first guy to take Terence Crawford the distance since Crawford moved up to welterweight, and he's still been the closest to uh, from to take him. He's he's almost took him the distance. He's he's been the closest to taking Terence Crawford the distance, and I think he was knocked out in the final round. Um, with about 30 seconds left on the clock. Um, so, yeah, that is it for the news. Moving on now to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here with this card. It takes place tomorrow at the Domo Alcalde in Guadalajara, Jalisco, or Jalisco, Mexico. Over here, few fights to mention. Not that many, actually. Diego Pacheco, 14-0 in a 10-rounder against Raul Ortega, who's 10-2. We've got Jorge... Uh, Castaneda, 15-1, and one, I think last time out he beat Yusuf Kamari um, at the O2 Arena. He boxes for the WBC International Silver Super Featherweight title against Eduardo Perez, who's 31-1. and one. And the main event for the WBA Super, uh, Super Light Flyweight World title, Hiroto Kayaguchi, 15-0 and 0 in a 12-rounder against Esteban Bermudez, who's 14-3 and 3 with two draws. Moving out now to this one, it also takes place tomorrow night at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino in Verona, New York, USA. It's going to be live on Showtime. Very happy for friend of the show, Tyler Tomlin, 13-0 and 0 in an 8-rounder against the undefeated Chan Tonson, who's 10-0. Somebody's own must go there. Also on the card, back... Bakudir Jalilov, 10-0 and 0, um, in an eight-rounder against Jack Mulawayi, who is 11-2 with a draw. Uh, that's about it for that one. Moving out now to this one. It takes place at the Wembley Arena in London. It's going to be on Sky Sports. It's a boxer show on Saturday night. Over here we have... Uh, Joe Pigford, 19-0. I think he's got 18 KOs. No opponent just yet. We're going to see Vidal Riley, 5-0. I don't know who he's boxing either at the minute. And Lauren Price makes her um, hotly anticipated pro debut. Um, Chris Congo, 13-1 in a good test against Sebastian Formella, who's 23-2. Went the distance in his two losses to Sean Porter and Connor Ben. So Chris Congo... I think has got his work cut out, really. He's a big favourite, which I was a bit surprised to see. It's for the vacant WBC International Silver Welterweight title. I think Chris Congo to win that one on points is a bit of a safe bet, really. Um, 
Really good fight for the English super middleweight title between Jermaine Brown, 12-0, in a 10-rounder against Zach Chelly, who's 11-1 with a draw. That's going to be a real good fight, I think. And the main event, two um, very good fighters, actually. Richard Riakpour, 14-0, in a 12-rounder against Fabio Turki of Italy, who's 20-1. And he's been looking quite good of late, actually. I think he's boxed on a few matchroom Italy shows. So if that's the same guy, he's not too bad. And it could be a test there for Riakpour. Moving out now to the Telford International Centre in Shropshire. This one is also on Saturday night. It's going to be live on BT Sports. So there's going to be a couple of show clashes there on Sky Sports and on BT. Uh, we've got topping the bill Mark Leach, 18-1 with a draw in a 12-rounder against Liam Davies, who's 11-0. That's for the British Super Bantamweight title. It's going to be a cracker, I think. On the undercard, friend of the show, Willie Hutchinson, 13-1 in an 8-rounder against Carol Horsek, who's 18 and 13 with three draws. We've got Muhammad Ali on the undercard, 3-0 in a six-rounder against Brian Morena, who's 11 and 27 with a draw. We also have... Um Ayaz Ahmed, who's 10-2 with a draw. He's in a 12-rounder against friend of the show Casey Kadami, who's 8-1 with a draw. The one draw and the one loss both came to Ahmed. This is the third fight between the pair. The first one uh, was very close, and Ahmed managed to get it on the cards. The second one was really close. It ended in a draw. Uh, that one was at the back end of last year in Birmingham. And then this one here is the the uh, the, the third fight. It's for the vacant British super flyweight title. All the best, of course, to Casey. Casey Kadami there, but it's probably going to be a really close fight again because these guys are so, so close. You'd think they're related. Um, yeah, moving out now to Arizona at the Glendale Civic Center. We've got Salem Urbina, friend of the show, the Mexican female um, in her hometown here because she, she's from Arizona. 12-2 uh, and two with a draw in a six two-minute round contest. No opponent just yet, apparently, for her. Moving out now to the Honda Center in California. So that means there's going to be a card on the zone on Saturday night as well. So there's a lot on TV, actually. Um, Friday night on Showtime, Saturday night uh, on Sky Sports, also on Saturday night. Uh, we've got the BT card also on Saturday night slash Sunday early hours for the UK viewers. We've got the DAZN uh, stuff. And uh, there's also another card as well on BT, which which I'm going to get to. God, there's a lot going on. Um, Jaime Munguia, 39-0 in a 12-rounder against Jimmy Kelly, who's 26-2. On paper, it's a shocking mismatch however I want to say I'm very happy for Jimmy Kelly to get this opportunity I'm not sure if he deserves it to be honest with you but I remember when he got drawn in against Liam Smith for the world title in a weak defense for Liam Smith and Liam Smith just battered him really and took him out well that was almost seven years ago now since then he's put together some decent wins he lost again to Dennis Hogan but the last time out that brilliant win he got against Kana Islam has set him up with this big fight here against Jaime Munguia so I don't begrudge the opportunity but I do feel like he's gonna um, probably get stopped again because Mungia is looking pretty good at the minute 39 and 0 31 KOs um, nothing really else to mention on that undercard again that's on the zone moving out now to the casino Miami J LA in Miami, Florida USA on the undercard nothing really to mention so I'm gonna skip straight to the main event Someone's going to go. Trevor Bryan, 22-0. Don King Promotions for the WBA World Heavyweight title. Over 12 rounds. We're not going to need the judges. He gets in with the UK's Daniel Dubois. Can Daniel Dubois... 
become WBA heavyweight world champion and pick up a belt quicker than Joe Joyce, the man who inflicted that one loss on his record. It's amazing how quick Dubois has gone from that loss straight into a big opportunity and Joyce hasn't. He's he's kind of been a bit slow. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. Trevor Bryan doing a lot of talking at the, at the press conferences that I've seen and stuff like that and I think he should calm down with that because he's going to annoy Dubois and I think Dubois... Um, it's going to brutally KO him, to be honest with you, but it's going to be interesting, and I think it's also going to be on early, I don't think it's going to be a late one, I think it follows the BT card, so from Telford straight to Florida, so I think it's going to be pretty much straight after, so it's not going to be super late for UK viewers, and then this one as well, I think he's going to be on Sky Sports again, because I'm sure it's a top rank card it's happening at the madison square garden theater in new york we've got edgar balanga 19 and 0 in a 10 rounder against roma alexis angulo 27 and 2 angulo um i think suffered his first or second loss to benavidez i think it was i think it was david benavidez it's for the wbo and abo super middleweight title um so yeah if i'm not mistaken and i could be wrong but if i'm not mistaken that means that we've got um friday night the Zone in Mexico with Kayaguchi and Bermudez, Diego Pacheco on the undercard. Um, Showtime also on the Friday night with Jalalov and Tyler Tomlin. Um, and then Saturday night on Sky, you know, around kind of primetime UK, we've got Reactpour topping that bill there. And that clashes with the Telford card between Mark Leach and Liam Davies on BT Sport. Then, straight after that on BT Sport, we've got Trevor Bryan and Daniel Dubois from Florida. Um, and into the night, we've got the zone with Mungia and Jimmy Kelly, and we've also got Sky Sports clashing with that with Belanga and Alexis Angulo. So there's a lot to go on there. That's about six cards within two days or something. And the final card to mention, it's not on TV, but it takes place at the Holy Wings Club in Jakarta, Indonesia. Friend of the show, Mark Dimori, former. Don King fighter, 39-2 and two with two draws in search of win number 40 when he gets in with Satria Antasena, who's 5-19. and 19. That's over 10 rounds there. All the best to Big Mark Damori. But that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the reviewing and we welcomed our special guest. In part two, we did the news and I've just wrapped up the preview part just there. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 347 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the former WBA heavyweight world champion, Lucas Brown. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Uh, it's another rematch, actually. We're going to be seeing Israel Madramov get in once again with Michel Soro. That one's going to be on the undercard of Derek Chisora against Kubrat Pulev too. So two rematches there set for July 9th at the O2 Arena in London. That's about everything though from myself. Enjoy your weekends people. Stay safe and we shall see you all again next week.